it's been another wild week of park closure news, including an announcement on what Disney plans to offer to anyone whose vacation has been disrupted. That and more, all on today's Park Hop. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James, and joining us live from the Hall Cave, the man, the myth, the legend, Henry Hall. hey Each week we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news, happenings, and burning topics from the lands of Disney, Universal, and beyond. Before launching into things, we always like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company. As always, though, his opinions are fully his own. Henry, how you hanging, man? How's everything been going? It's been going okay. Everybody's still healthy and, and doing well. Uh, went uh, grocery shopping. Actually saw a woman wearing a Disneyland Resort shirt. Wow. Which uh, did my heart good uh, seeing that. And uh, uh, still uh, uh, trying to figure out ways to get uh, money to uh, our restaurants, our favorite restaurants in the community. And uh, as well as uh, a comic book store, uh, due to the uh, closures and all that, uh, they recently announced that uh, no new uh, comic books were going to be, physical comic books are going to be sent out. So oh. uh, comic, comic book stores are going to be hit really hard. And uh, it's going to get even rougher, uh, especially for our local comic shop. I've known him. Uh, the owner for like 26, 27 years. So uh, I don't want to see him go down because of this. Yeah. I mean, especially since it's looking like, you know, there's, it's not, it's not going to, this, this shelter in place order is not going to be lifted anytime soon. Um, You know, it really does. You build, you build relationships with a lot of just kind of store owners in general, especially places that, you know, you've, visited personally and you have FaceTime with all the employees and potentially the owners. Uh, I mean, we're experiencing the same thing now where it's like, you know, of course, I think generally we always like to try to balance how much we, you know, order out and kind of uh, cook for ourselves. But with, um, with everything that's going on, we both have a need to kind of get a bunch of food that we want to bring into our house because of course, like we don't want to, we don't want to uh, expose ourselves to the outside, um, you know, as much as we possibly can. Uh, But at the same time, there are so many restaurants out there that, um, you know, especially in our area where it's just competitive generally uh, and the rent is so high that you just have to imagine that all of these places are hurting. And we've even gotten emails from people uh, and and restaurants that are like, hey, please don't forget about us. You know, we've got takeout and to-go menus and all of this. And so please, you know, if, if, if it's at all possible, order. And so we've definitely been trying to to balance that and do that as well. But it's, uh, you know, it's crazy. It's, it's nuts to think that, you know, we may emerge from this with just a completely different uh, lifestyle in terms of how, in terms of the restaurants that are available to us and the places that are still open. And, you know, it's just, it's really sad. <laughs> it's pretty rough. Oh, yeah. We're doing what we can. Yeah. On a lighter note, now that everybody is indoors and in cooking for themselves quite a bit more, it's been interesting to see a lot of people trying to kind of um, nail down the specific recipes of some of their favorite Disney food items. So I've seen a few different takes on the Monte Cristo. And then, Ooh. of course, people have discovered by now that uh Tito Pepe provides the churros for all Disney parks. And so, of course, people have gone out and discovered where to find frozen churros at their local place and have loaded up there. And um, I think I even saw somebody was showing that there was like a Dole Whip kit that that Dole sells in stores. So, um, you know, people are definitely finding ways of uh, of making their favorite Disney treats. That's an amazing thing that uh, people are actually finally like, figuring out how to bring these things in. Unfortunately, my, uh, my search for the Disneyland pickle has been, uh, been tough at this point. Cause it looks like, uh, the Vienna doesn't necessarily do like anybody else around our area carries those pickles. It's still, it's still been tough. Uh, I think the website itself has like a, 
a store locator who sells them and there was like nobody within like a hundred miles of us. So you, you know what? You might have to start doing at a certain point here. You might have to start experimenting with your, with pickling yourself and uh, try to narrow down kind of the Henry Hall take on the Disneyland pickle. I have, I have a pickle, uh, homemade pickle kit. It's still just not as good though. Mm. What I'll probably have to do is buy one of those, those, those buckets of pickles and then I'll just start bagging them up <laughs> and I'll have them in bags just like, just like Disneyland. And <laughs> There you go. Start reaching out to people. I know. I'm keeping them all. <laughs> Well, as I said at the top, it has been a heck of a week in terms of updates around the various different park closures. We're starting with Friday, so this was just a couple of days ago now. The Walt Disney Company issued a statement saying that both Disney World and Disneyland will remain closed until further notice. They also clarified that all hourly parks and resort cast members will continue to be paid through April 18th. This announcement came hot on the heels of some heavy angst expressed by cast members, their unions, and even guests, as up until this last Friday, Disney hadn't updated their closure time frame past March 31st, which was definitely a little weird because it was like, you know, if you had a an upcoming trip, I mean, there's no way that you, I think, could have in any way, shape, or form expected that in mid-April or early April that the parks really were going to be open, but it was a little, it was a little little strange that it took them as long as it did for for uh, an update on this uh, on their time frame so well we have no idea when the parks might reopen if you try to book a new dining or resort reservation at either of the parks uh, currently the system is blacked out until june 1st even with that though the parks are giving themselves plenty of wiggle room saying quote as always, guests are able to modify these bookings if Walt Disney World Resort opens before or after this time. We also have updated closure timeframes from both the Tokyo Disney Resort and Disneyland Paris. Tokyo Disney has extended their closures through April 20th, and Disneyland Paris is a little bit murkier. They're still listing their closure as only until March 31st, despite the fact that the country of France is on lockdown through April 15th. So expect that uh, that's going to get pushed as well. One Disney park that is slowly bouncing back is Shanghai Disney. This was the first of the parks to close in late January, and they have been reopening parts of the resort in small phases since the beginning of March. Still no word on when the park itself will reopen, however. This started with limited operations continuing at Wishing Star Park, Disney Town, and the Shanghai Disneyland Hotel. We now also have word that Lumiere's Kitchen, which is a Beauty and the Beast-themed family restaurant located within the hotel, has reopened for brunch on weekends and dinner on Saturdays. Another interesting note with Shanghai Disney is some of the health and safety measures that are currently uh, being put in place. Currently, if, uh, currently, every guest is required to undergo a temperature screening, wear a mask, practice social distancing, and provide a health QR code, which is something that uh, China has been implementing as a way to kind of have your current health status in an easily scannable form. And then a few other park updates as well include Universal, which has said that all of their parks are going to be closed until at least April 19th, um, and SeaWorld, with, uh, which also has Bush Gardens under under them, which has also gone with Disney's approach and has just closed all of their parks indefinitely. So uh, quite a barrage of news there. Interesting, by the way, thinking about some of the measures that China is taking now that their park is slowly reopening. And I'm interested, Like, do you think that that's something that we could start to see once Disneyland and Disney World open. Are we going to start to see kind of health uh, screenings either at the entrance, maybe temperature checks or everyone has to wear a mask or, you know, maybe this is where the virtual queues come into place. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, really the, because um, I mean, we know how uh, the masks don't really prevent you from getting sick, but they prevent others from getting sick. I think, uh, I don't, I don't think you'll see like QR codes yeah. tracking, especially in California. Cause I think they have laws against that kind of stuff here. 
which is why we don't have those uh, the bands from uh, Disney World here at Disneyland. Yeah, I've heard of some places doing or or at least talking about doing like temperature checks, but I don't think that's necessarily very reliable. I definitely think if anybody would be coughing as they're trying to get through uh, security, definitely they should be having masks. Right. Well, so, I mean, I guess the question then is, what is business going to be like when Disneyland and Disney World and Universal and SeaWorld and Legoland and just all of these parks do open up? Like, what is it going to be business as usual where they just kind of flip the switch and, you know, maybe they still keep the... um, the kind of mobile hand washing stations out and they're making sure to wipe down rides. But, but other than that, it's just kind of another day at the park or, you know, there was, I know that there was a rumor around for Disney world in terms of that it would open up in phases similarly to Shanghai, where maybe not all of the, not all of the parks open at once. It's kind of a one park and then two parks and then three parks, or maybe it's only areas of the parks or maybe, you know, like, uh, like in Shanghai where it's maybe restaurants are only opened just some way to limit that just kind of initial slam of people coming back. It's hard to, it's hard to even predict what, what they're going to do though. I have a hard time imagining that it's just going to all open at once. Oh, I I definitely agree. I mean, I think there's still going to be quite a few people who are going to be a bit antsy about going out and still testing the waters before they're like really, really going out. And I think, I think that's what uh, amusement parks or businesses are trying to figure out, like what it's going to be like. People are still going to have to practice the social distancing, even at the parks. But, you know, that's one of those places where it's the hardest to do that, yeah. you know, because everybody wants to be in line for these rides. And when you're in line, you're not social distancing, you know, usually. It, it depends on people like really being mindful of like, what it means, what kind of measures they have to do to stop from getting sick. To your point, the challenge of the Disney parks is finding that balance of kind of certainly they want to open up the floodgates as soon as possible because, you know, if you're a business that relies on just max capacity of people filling your hotels, your restaurants and your parks and nobody can do that legally, you know, it, it it's a major problem for your finances. But the other harsh kind of truth is I feel like they would have a very hard time leaving it up to people to manage their own risk because the reality is you saw all of those spring breakers down there in Florida. And similarly, I mean, even with Disney's whole thing, I mean, they Disney World and even one of the I think one of the cruise ships they didn't necessarily drag their feet when it came to closing, but they didn't close immediately. I, I, Disney World was still open for a few days, and the cruise ships. I think they had one or uh, they had a few ships that were currently um, out on the water, and they didn't immediately recall it. And in both of those instances, I mean, we've seen a couple of reports from Disney World about people that were sick, and then. Um, later ended up, you know, were had visited the parks and later ended up testing positive for coronavirus right on those last few days. And then similarly with the cruise ship, you had one of these ships that um, that was out on the water and didn't immediately get called back. There was somebody on that ship that tested positive for the virus as well. So, you know, it, it's one of those things of just if they leave it up to people to make their own call you know, someone, you're going to just get a ton of people that are going to kind of blow off any warnings or their better judgment and show up to the park. And the last thing, certainly, I mean, if Disney thinks that the business is bad right now with with nobody in there, I mean, think about how much worse it would be if they open up the parks maybe a little bit earlier just because, you know, they they want that flow back in or they feel like maybe the risk isn't as high. They open those parks back up and then, you know, you have another major outbreak that occurs that is linked to somebody that went there. I mean, I think that's when it becomes really painful. And that's when you really do scare people off. True. And then, I mean, there's also the, the uh, risk to like being sued because Disneyland always been 
a multi like generational type park where you have a lot of very young and very old going besides you know people in between and so you have all the people who are basically at risk in one place and as you said with the spring breakers you know there are people who just really aren't concerned with getting sick even even with some of that it's like there is so you know there is money tied up into these trips that's something we were talking about last week as well is that you know uh, oftentimes you've committed the time and you've committed money and it's not just always an easy thing to change your trip and so um you know certainly uh certainly the immediate kind of trips that are planned so the april trips even some of the may trips i think it's probably safe to assume that um, there's no way that they're going to be open for that. But like, let's say that in June, it's still maybe a dicey situation and Disney says, well, whatever, we need that summer rush. Not saying, of course, that they would. But like we were uh-huh. saying in this news story, you know, you are able currently to book a June 1st stay at the resort. If it's still looking dicey and they still maybe turn that on, and let's say you had your trip already booked for that period of June, then, then you really have to make that decision of like, well, do I... I cancel it and maybe lose out on money because now things are back running and moving. The airlines maybe are a little bit less flexible. Um, you know, we'll talk about in a little bit some of the um, some of the concessions and some of the offers that Disney's making for people's trips that for sure have been affected. But even that's only until the end of May. So if you are somebody that's in one of that that gray area time period, I can totally see people being conflicted in terms of making that decision. Um, All the more reason, though, why, you know, if if we are in a situation where things are still dicey, they need to keep that park closed and just make the decision easy for people and make it easy for airlines and make it easy for, you know, tourism agencies and whatnot to kind of turn those levers and offer those refunds just 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 to take that even out of the equation so that people don't have to make that kind of a financial decision would, I think, be the right way to go. And and hopefully it it is the way that it's going to go. It seems like this waiting until now, waiting until a couple of days before that closure period was supposed to end anyway at the end of the month is definitely cutting it very close. But now that everything has changed to closed indefinitely, you know, there's no rush for them, at, at least from a at least from a, a PR standpoint, per se, certainly from a business standpoint, that's different. But from a PR standpoint, keep it closed if it, if 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 uh, if there's any question in anyone's mind. Yeah, for sure. It it doesn't work in their favor to like open early or before things are are green, but still it is, I mean, just the mind is boggled by like how many businesses are just hurting and the people behind those businesses, you know, that are also hurting as well are potentially like, I'm more, I think I'm worried about the businesses that may go away after this is, this is gone. Totally. And so, I mean, just going back to the question, looking at how things specifically at the Disney parks may be different, I could totally see this virtual queue system that was in place for Rise of the Resistance and that has been added to at least the Disneyland menu. You know, I could totally see that being used It's just to prevent people from queuing right up next to each other for long periods of time. Uh, I could totally see them limiting certain, you know, capacity to restaurants, limiting capacity to the parks, even limiting capacity to hotels, just kind of slowly bringing that back on just so that you're minimizing as much as possible the the just kind of crunch of people that is inevitable at any of these parks. Does that mean that maybe certain rides are open and certain rides aren't? I think that might be that might be a little t- more tough because I know that if I have a if I have a vacation planned and I find out that that maybe only a couple of the parks are going to be open, or if I find out that you know half of the rides are closed at one of the parks that I was planning on going to, um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cancel my trip and reschedule it for a later date. So, you know, I I can't imagine that if, you know, they say we're only half running that you're you're not going to have a ton of people just immediately move their trips. So I don't 
I don't see that being the case so much. I mean, maybe it is something like Shanghai Disney does where, you know, restaurants maybe reopen and some aspects of Disney Springs reopen first. But even still, I mean, you know, I don't know how many people, if they hear, well, the parks are closed, but the facilities are open. Um, I don't know how many people still hold the reservation. My guess would be not as many. So, I mean, I don't I don't see phased openings being a thing as much, at least at least not so widespread and not for so long. I could also see that maybe even limiting how many guests come into the park. Right. So we may see more type blackout type or some new kind of method of, of limiting how many guests are allowed into a park at the time, maybe even a reservation system put in place for people just to visit the park. Yeah. Potentially. Damn. Could you imagine though, like, um, like let's say, so for all the APs, all the annual pass holders, they've pretty much said just in general, however many days this closure lasts is how many days we're going to tack on to your, um, your pass, uh, membership. And so I can only imagine them doing that and then saying, okay, well, the parks are back open, so we're going to restart your clock, but, uh, it's all blackout days for the next, you know, couple months as we limit our park capacity. Uh, Dude, that, that would, would be, be so that would be the worst. I imagine what instead of doing, say, a blackout day, I think they should put like maybe, like I said, some kind of reservation system in place where maybe it would normally be a blackout day, but instead you have to get a reservation in this time frame and you need to like apply for it or something. And there's so many people that can apply. I mean, still that effectively is still like blocking them, but I mean, at least there's, there's some kind of, some kind of, uh, hope, but I think they're probably right now trying to figure out what it looks like to go to the park after this stuff you know, is after lockdowns are done. So maybe what they do is they take it and they go the the complete opposite direction and say, we're going to have a soft opening for one or two weeks. And at that point, it's only annual pass holders. That's it. That way you're limiting capacity completely. And generally annual pass holders are, if not immediate locals, they're they're within the area somewhere, you know, they're going regularly enough so that, uh, so that they're not too far away. It's not like they're hopping on an international flight or planning their trips out, you know, a year or more in advance. So it's a little bit easier for them to say, Hey guys, so next month we're going to have a one to two week period where it's only annual pass holders. And then after that, assuming everything is working and everything is good to go, all of these policies, whatever they may be, whether they be virtual queues or whether they be kind of entrance, you know, scanners or whatever, um, to make sure that those processes are going, we've limited to, to only that small group. And then assuming everything's cool, then we move on to a larger park opening. Now that would be, that would be awesome. Hopefully. Yeah. That, that makes actually a lot of sense because one, they can kind of gauge what are people's attitudes when they come back as far as like, you know, how are they, how are people generally behaving are they monitoring themselves or are they like oh there's nothing to worry about so they can kind of you know lock down a better feel of what they need to put in place but i think it would have to be maybe a little bit more than just uh annual pass holders maybe it's like people who also had already previously had reservations or whatever tickets for that time. But yes, I, I think a soft opening sounds like the, the way to go for sure. Plus, since they shut down everything, it's going to take a while for them to get all that stuff back into place. Uh, but it's Disney, and I imagine they'll get it done. Yeah. Well, speaking of one of the casualties of these closures, the Disney California Adventure Food and Wine Festival may be extended till early September. So this is definitely a juicy rumor that, Henry, I know you will appreciate. WDW News Today is reporting on a permit filed four days after Disneyland closed, listing all 12 food and wine stalls as present. The real meat of this permit, though, is in the date range listed, 
which includes February 24th through September 7th. And it's worth keeping in mind that the original closure date was April 21st. This extended time frame would allow for people like Henry that purchased the Sip and Saver Pass but didn't use all of the slips a bit more time to take advantage of the festival, which had only been open a few weeks before the park closed. Do keep in mind that this is just rumor for now and that the only food and wine festival news that Disneyland Resort has confirmed is that ticketed events uh, purchased in advance will be automatically refunded. So they had a couple of events planned that were like, you know, expensive wine tastings with specific sellers. So those have been refunded. But I know you mentioned you still had a couple of your sip and savor passes and slips left over. So this might give you that opportunity. Oh, no, I used them. Oh, you Uh, did? (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I used them. I gave some of them to to my uh, sister and her, um, my brother-in-law to use. so we we took we made sure they were all used before we left. Well, dude, that was the way to go, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, still, I mean that I mean that is a, a boon for people. That gives more people a chance to actually experience the event because it is amazing. The food is so good, and uh, you know I think more people should uh, take advantage in, of of the extension of it to uh, actually check out like these festivals because it is really uh, something to uh, try all these different foods out. I mean, it sounded like from your your very uh, thorough description of all of your different items that you had, it sounded incredible. It sounded delicious. Oh, it's so good. Everything was so good that it's just hard to describe like, the uh, fried guacamole with the uh, carne asada. The carne asada was so good, but then the fried guacamole is just like something you can't really think about until you have it, and then uh, it's just so good. And then it's all you can think about. Oh, yeah. Well, it is cool to see. I mean, they are finding ways. So similarly to how we had talked about last week, how Tokyo Disney is releasing a lot of their uh, entertainment shows that were scheduled to end uh, during these park closure periods, they've um, they've been coming out with those on their YouTube channel. I mean, it, it, they're finding ways to still provide these experiences that they had, you know, advertised and that people were looking forward to despite this this major disruption. So hopefully this rumor is not just a rumor and that it's legitimately going to happen because, I mean, this has definitely quickly become, at least as California Adventure, it's, it's been something for a while at Epcot, but at California Adventure, it's it's, it's also started to, to really gain the following that the that the Epcot version has as well. So hopefully this this can happen and they really do deliver on this. Yeah. Sticking with uh, California Adventure, though, so Marvel Comics will be releasing an Avengers Campus tie-in miniseries called Web of Spider-Man. This is, of course, scheduled to, uh, this is intended to tie in with the upcoming Avengers Campus, which, at least as of now, is scheduled to open in July. Probably going to get pushed back, but we'll see. This will be a five-part miniseries inspired by Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure, which is the Avengers Academy opening day attraction. The first issue is scheduled to be released sometime in June. Here's the official description from Marvel. Peter Parker, Spider-Man, scientist, troublemaker? Thanks to none other than Tony Stark, a new scientific research station for the teenage heroes of the Marvel Universe has just been completed, and Spider-Man just got an invitation to join. Working alongside some of your favorite faces of the Marvel Universe and a whole bunch of awesome new gadgets, and with Iron Man keeping an eye on them, surely everything's going to go great for the heroes, right? So this release is in line with the other special limited comic book series that Marvel also ran during the openings of both Galaxy's Edge and Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. So, and, And I also believe, if I remember correctly, Henry, this is something you called out last week as something that they should do. So you, you nailed this. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it seems like Marvel always kind of shadows either movie releases 
it makes sense that they would actually shadow, uh, at least with a, a comic book, uh, the opening of uh, Avengers Campus. This is what they need to be distributing at the park as well, right? Oh, yeah. This should be in the park. Totally should be like somewhere at, at the end. That once you get off of the Spider-Man ride, boom, comic book there for you to purchase and in the uh, store for merch uh, for the ride. Totally. Especially since it sounds like, I mean, it's setting up. Avengers Campus and specifically the web facility that uh, that the ride takes place in. It's a slam dunk. You just got off the ride. You want to see more of Spider-Man. You don't want to get into the comic book because the comic book series itself has got hundreds and hundreds of issues. And uh, this is a good place to kind of pick it up because I imagine what they'll do is they'll have, if if they do go to print, You'll have five issues, and then at some point they'll come out with a graphic novel, which will collect all five issues, which would, I imagine would be something that they could easily sell uh, in the store as well instead of people trying to buy all five. But I don't know. There's so much, you could, so many different ways. Plus, you know, if you sell like a comic book, even though comic books are more pricey now, still like about four or five bucks for one comic, people can easily justify spending $5 in the park for something like a comic book. I mean, everything else costs way more than that. <laughs> so are you picking this up in June? I'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. I'll see what, what comes out for it. Uh, I'm usually like, uh, I like to see what, not just like the writer, but the art in it. Definitely when it comes to comic books, you can't judge a, a, a book by its cover because they always get other artists to do the covers. But we'll see if they get like a, a, a really good artist to do the, the inside. I imagine they will. Um, but I'll see. Probably. These are the names for the first issue. Written by Kevin Shinnick with art by Roberto DiSalvo. Now, DiSalvo is good. He is good. I'm not familiar with that writer, but I, I do know the artist. So it will have a, a legit artist. You good. are, you know, your comics, man. That was, I'm very, that was super impressive what you just did. <laughs> it's super <laughs> sad that I know this stuff. <laughs> no, heck no, man. So sticking at Disneyland here, we now have confirmation that the Disneyland Resort has stopped all construction. This was this was a question that we had answered for Disney World for sure. We got confirmation that last week that all construction had halted. Um, we assumed that this was the case for Disneyland, but we weren't 100% sure. So now we have confirmation that this is the case. So the Orange County Register is reporting that this freeze is to ensure the resort is in line with direction being given by local government and health officials. This is, of course, expected to affect not just new construction with Avengers Campus and Mickey and Minnie's Magical Railway, but also refurbishments being conducted with the Haunted Mansion, Snow White Scary Adventures, King Arthur's Carousel, and the Indiana Jones Adventure. In the OC Register's report, they also detail a few of the other interesting permits that were recently approved. And I wanted to go over these because this was some interesting stuff. Some of this they announced previously and some of this they hadn't. So this was definitely interesting to me. The first is a, uh, a $200,000 renovation of Disneyland's Frontierland entrance. The project calls for the widening of an existing bridge and the replacement of a pair of 15-foot-tall faux wooden gates and a 16-foot-long marquee. Um, sounds like something that they did with Adventureland's entrance right before Galaxy's Edge opened, where they um, they um, widened that space up quite a bit so that, I think this was part of Project Stardust in general, which was to, to widen out the walkways in the hopes that uh, it was going to be slammed with people and would be necessary. So, sounds like an extension of that, but... Yeah, I just hope they don't... Uh, I hope there's not a problem with the duck ponds those ponds because they have the ducks there and uh, especially last time we went not only were was it fun to see the ducks there but they had a whole bunch of baby ducks in there and it was really nice to see those so 
I'm sure not only will I be uh, sad if there's, you know, the ducks aren't there, but uh, uh, my wife definitely would be sad not to see the ducks there. Yeah, man. No, I think I so at least in at least in local circles, the Disneyland ducks and the Disneyland cats have their own kind of fan following to the point that there's no way that they could do anything to disrupt those ducks or those cats or else people would just lose their minds. So also included a $350,000 re-roof of the cider mill and blacksmith shop on Tom Sawyer's Island. The work includes the removal and reinstallation of a scenic prop platform. The rustic building on the tip of Tom Sawyer's Island serves as the centerpiece for Disneyland's nightly phantasmic water show. As long as that stuff is just being taken care of, that doesn't surprise me. Also included a $115,000 re-roof of Mickey's house in Toontown where visitors meet the famous mouse and pose for photos. So this seems like this is probably part of that uh, the Toontown refurbishment that has been occurring and ongoing. And then lastly, they call out the overall refurbishment of Indiana Jones Adventure. Previous permits called out the replacement of a plank bridge and its steel structure in the show set of the Indie of the Indie attraction and refurbished rock work. The latest permit is for the replacement of a motor control center and general lighting. Um, so this is kind of our first indication of what this massive refurbishment that Indy was going to go through during the spring, or at least it was originally going to go through during the spring. It doesn't sound like it's too comprehensive. So rock work, lighting, one of the bridges, um, and some behind the scenes kind of motor control stuff. So maybe not as, maybe not as, uh, maybe not as extensive as we were hoping. Mm, Maybe. I mean, I know it's a big ride for you. Is that, do you think that does did you find this news disappointing or it is a little bit disappointing. I don't, I mean, it's hard to tell what the motor control center is. It's hard to tell like rock work could be, could be something as well, but it's probably just touching up. I mean, it's probably just touching up anything. I mean, really at a bare minimum with the Indiana Jones ride, if they can just make it so that more often than not, everything works whenever you are on it, then I feel like that's a good investment, (laughs) you know, like there's so many times where I've ridden it recently where it's just stuff isn't working and whether it's something small and noticeable because I've ridden it so many times, like, you know, the, uh, the laser shooting out of the eye or whether it's just kind of like, you know, fire effects not working, or even if it's just the boulder effect, not fully working, it feels like there's always something going on with that. So, you know, certainly the blue sky big dream is that it's, it's on par with Tokyo Disney seas version, which is incredible. But, um, but like I said, if they can just make it so that everything works when you ride it, I'd, I'd be fine with it. And, you know, to that point as well, at this time, it's not clear how the extended closure will affect when or even if these projects happen. So it's certainly possible that because of these major hits that Disneyland and Disney World are taking financially with these closures, that they're going to completely restructure some of these plans that they had for um, for refurbishments and potentially even construction for, you know, major rides. So certainly like, you know, Snow White is going to be safe because they were already pretty far into that. I don't know how far they were into it with Indiana Jones. It seems like they weren't very far into it because, you know, it was open when you were there, right? Yeah. So, you know, I I mean, that could certainly be the case that it could just go back to being kind of their usual refurbishment that tightens the screws and kind of temporarily fixes a lot of the effects rather than replaces the systems that needed replacement. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to tell certainly avengers campus is going to be done <laughs> at least at least web slingers is in its form because it's again it's almost there what does that say about the e-ticket quinjet ride that's further on down the line is that going to experience some cuts it's probably safe to assume that is mickey and minnie's going to receive either if not some cuts like i don't it doesn't seem like they were that far into construction with that i mean it was way out in 2022 that that was going to be done so 
you know, I don't know. I mean, my, the, the kind of pessimist in me feels like, you know, uh, all of these parks that have been experiencing this construction boom are now going to potentially scale back some of their, their large plans um, just because of the financial hit that everyone's going to experience here. I think what's going to happen is they may push out the uh, refurbishments or this co- construction. Like, I mean, they may like hold off on doing it now, but do it later. Uh, but I don't think they'll like really cut anything per se, just because, you know, people are now going to expect, you know, expect something at least, you know, I mean, you're not going to, if you cut the experience, people are going to be less happy. Are people who are less happy going to come visit the park more? No. Think new stuff that was coming in, like, the Quinjet ride, I think, is going to still be what it was going to be. It just may be pushed out further. Right. Um, but I don't think they're going to cut down that experience. Yeah. Uh, but potentially, yeah, something that was getting a heavy refurbishment, they may hold off on some of the heavy stuff and just, you know, do the stuff to get it up to code, make sure it's up to code and, and working properly. And maybe they push out the big stuff to later to see how things go. I mean, I think it's natural, especially for, uh, especially for any longtime Disney park goer, especially at Disneyland to just naturally <laughs> maybe start to feel like the sky might be falling because, you know, uh, that was certainly the case with, when you know then Euro Disney failed, or at least it it didn't hit in the way that that they were hoping it would, and the entire parks experienced these major you know losses. That there were so many cool ideas that you read about now, and that I mean even even when you were a guest, like you felt that they were just a lot of the a lot of the plans and upkeep and maintenance and just kind of forward thinking drive that that was being talked about at the time just kind of halted, right? There was like, that was, then they were talking about new Tomorrowland. That never happened. They were talking about Westcott. That never happened. Um, There were just so many plans that they had in place that just hit the brakes as soon as they encountered that, that hardship with Euro Disney. So uh, you're probably right that it's not going to be that bad, but you know, there, there was that just natural flinch. I think that, uh, (laughs) that I certainly have, I know I'm not the only one. Oh, yeah. I mean, those plans were a lot bigger and way more grandiose than some of the changes that they're talking about for what they're doing now. So, yeah, I can kind of see that. But I think they've learned their lessons uh, over the years. At least I hope they have. I'm fairly sure they have, you know, that, you know, these learnings, you know, are coming across and they're they're more basing their current plans on, you know, reality and what makes sense financially. But I think they also know what keeps people happy. I think too, the parks have become such huge money makers. I mean, they are, they're like one of the pillars of Walt Disney entertainment at this point. And not only just being a pillar, people who go to Disneyland, once you leave, you want to continue to consume uh, that Disney product in different ways. So you're you're watching other Disney movies and uh, and, and buying other Disney merch. So it's definitely something that benefits them to keep the you know keep the parks up and 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 adding to them because that you know adding new stuff, new experiences and stuff to them gets people thinking about planning trips. Yep. Well, speaking of planning trips, last but certainly not least in terms of our news roundup here, Disney World has announced that it will be extending its summer free dining plan offer that hit that it had offered earlier this year. It announced that it will be extending that offer to anyone that has uh, that experienced a canceled booking due to the park closures. Now, as you can imagine, there are a few specifics 
when digging into the details of the offer, but here's what we know for sure. So first and foremost, this is only available to guests who purchased a vacation package or room reservation for a Disney Resort hotel stay from March 16th through May 31st. And this is even if the park opens before that May 31st date. Not likely, but it's possible. Uh, guests who had booked at a value or moderate resort will receive a quick service plan, which includes two quick service meals per night of stay, two snacks or non-alcoholic drinks per night of stay, and one refillable drink mug. Guests who had booked at a deluxe or deluxe villa resort will receive the standard Disney dining plan, which includes one quick service meal per night of stay, one table service meal per night of stay, two snacks slash non-alcoholic drinks per night of stay, and one refillable drink mug. The new booking time frame is available for most nights between June 1st through September 30th. You must book by May 31st. It is not valid for campsites or anyone who canceled before March 1st. And the Disneyland Resort will have its own special offer for disrupted guests with specific details dropping soon. So we are recording this podcast on Sunday, March 29th. They said that they will have details on Monday, March 30th. So probably by the time this podcast is out, those details will be available. So if this is you and you feel like uh, this includes your specific itinerary, um, they did send an email out to most people that were affected, but it sounds like it, it, as usual, it may not have necessarily hit everyone or um, you may be falling into a weird kind of gray area uh, like myself who technically booked their stay through a third party. So I have to call them to check to see if I qualify for this. Um, I'm going to bet I don't, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to, I'm going to ask and I'll try, but, um, regardless, if you are somebody that falls within those details of that time frame, and you can make your trip work between June 1st through September 30th, um, definitely go to the website, give them a, give them a call at the reservation line and just explain what your situation is and see what they offer you. So Seems pretty cool that they are extending this. Um, I'm curious what you think this indicates, Henry. Like, is this is this a sign that maybe people that are canceling their trip are not rebooking, or maybe they're maybe they're pushing to 2021, or they're booking later into the year? What's your What's your take on this? It's it's something incentivized uh, incentivized people to book their trips sooner. Hopefully, I guess people come back. Uh, you know, I, I think they may be a little bit worried that, uh, they, the crowds will be thin when they do finally reopen and this will be a way to, to get them back in Yeah, and also make sure that these people who were like affected are happy and are like posting, um, negative stuff about the Disney resorts and stuff. So, I mean, it definitely would make me happy if I had a, you know, a package at that point, because a big part of what your, uh, of your trip is your pain is food. It costs a lot. Plus if my dates are right, I'm not sure with Walt Disney world, but it looks like you potentially could get back go visit in time to see like the Halloween stuff and get the Halloween food and whatnot, maybe because that usually starts like early September. Uh, so it seems like this falls within that time period, at least part of it. So <laughs> yeah. there is, there is a boon there a little bit. I'm looking up dates right now. And to your point, they start, their not so scary Halloween party dates in mid August. So that would be an awesome time to go and, and get this because you can get the special Halloween. Maybe, I mean, I don't know what kind of limitations will be on it, but uh, you might be able to get some kind of like, uh, at least during your trip, you'll get to enjoy the Halloween stuff. 
and then you're not going to have to worry so much about food and you can have more money for snacks for the cool special Halloween snacks. Well, and I think, I think, I mean, with your, with your credit, you get two snack credits. So it would cover two of those snacks depending on how you play it. Um, yeah, so definitely, yeah, I mean, I had very similar thoughts in terms of time frame. So I looked at that September time frame as well. They know that they're going to have extra people coming through because of Halloween. And then from Halloween, they go right into holiday time frame. So you're always going to have those people that, A, just have time off around then anyway because you're getting into holiday periods. So it's very easy to kind of, you know, couch your your vacations a little bit longer because it's within that time periods that maybe you have time off anyway. It's further out too. So people that are maybe more inclined to push out their trip later to be safer um, like we said, you know, it takes time and effort to plan some of these trips, especially if you are coming from an international destination. And so we've talked about it being a little dicey in terms of the airline situation. It's also a little dicey just in terms of when you get into like August, for instance, there's definitely a potential that things might not be back up and running fully. So, you know, I think if you're somebody that's trying to replan your trip, you're probably not going to want to risk booking in a time period where, you know, things might still be closed. Like, could you imagine having to replan twice? That would be terrible. So I think you probably do. The people that are, these are bigger vacation experiences, maybe once a year, maybe once every few years, maybe once in a lifetime, I don't know. I think then you're probably are more inclined to push it out till 2021 just to be safe. I mean, you're right. It definitely is a nice PR bump to a certain extent. But um, I think, too, it probably indicates that, to what you were saying, they are concerned about people coming back before that October time frame. And so they're trying to entice more people to maybe kind of get over that hesitation that they would have of booking something so soon um, and turning it back around and kind of getting back into that mix. Because, I, I mean... I think Disney is a business. They're not going to make that offer unless they feel like it's needed. Um, and certainly if this was just purely goodwill, they would just be offering refunds to everybody. So they're not doing that. Or they would just be extending that. Uh, they would be extending that offer out through 2021 because, you know, to offer people as much flexibility as possible for uh, rebooking their trip. I mean, you know, they're not a charity. It makes total sense. But like I said, so, I mean, it's an indication to me that, that you know, they're trying to get those numbers up as soon as possible, which makes sense because, man, it's, it's uh, they're losing a lot of money right now. So that's pretty, that's pretty wild. So uh, qu- question for you. Let's this this will be fun in the worst way possible for me. Let's just take an educated guess here. So as I as I was kind of talking about earlier, I booked my tickets and my resort stay through third party. So I have Disney resort reservation numbers. Uh, they were in the system, so I still have those numbers. Um, you know, they were part of my Disney experience, but they were booked through Hotels.com. So, uh, if you were to put money down, would you say that I am going to be able to take advantage of this offer or do you think they're going to tell me I don't qualify? And you're staying at the, uh, at a hotel, at a Disney hotel. I booked at the pop century and I will rebook at the pop century. Okay. I would say, I'd say yes. And I will rebook through, I'm guessing that because, I mean, because it's a dining plan, I would need to rebook through Disney directly. I can't rebook through hotels.com because if you book through, if you rebook or if you book anything third party, they won't let you add a dining plan. So, um, so I mean, my tickets are still valid. Uh, so you're thinking, yes, that they will let me. Yeah, I think they will. Uh, I think. It, it winds up being like one of those things where 
they have more to gain from from giving it to you unless they it, it doesn't hurt them to give it to you so they'll just they just have like just to make you happy they'll give it to you oh my god i i hope you're right man i've uh i've dealt with so many travel companies that are such pains to go through when it comes to like the specifics and the details so i, I hope you're right i uh i am going to bet i'll tell you what just just for the sake of just for the sake of drama, I will bet no, they will not. And then next week when we record, uh, we'll come back. I'll let you know the results and where I stand. And um, and hopefully you're right. Hopefully you win. I hope so. I mean, I, I hope you get the, uh, you know, the dining plan. Plus, I think at this point, too, I think they're on making people happy uh, more like so they're bending, bending a little bit on a lot of things that they might not have before. So I think if this wasn't happening, they'd say no, but because this is happening, you'll get it, I think. Well, we'll see. Tune in next week for the exciting results of is Julian going to get a dining package because he wanted Hotels.com points? We'll find out. Bonus item, we were going to wrap up, but we just got news that Henry, you asked for it. And Disney delivered only a few hours ago, your challenge, no, your demand was heard loud and clear. Disneyland has released the full video of the brand new Magic Happens Parade, which had started just weeks before the park closed down. Henry gave his take on it a couple of episodes back, really enjoyed the overall experience. It sounded amazing. Now you can go on to Disneyland's YouTube channel and see their highly produced, super polished video of the overall parade. But the real question that's on everyone's mind, are Henry and his wife Lori prominently featured in the background? You'll just have to watch for yourself and find out. Have you seen this yet, Henry? Did you know about this? No, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, buddy. I'm sure, I'm sure we're not <laughs> visible, but because uh, we were a bit ways back. Uh, but but the camera was right there. Uh, so, no, we have not. But I haven't seen this yet. Mm. Sure. Well, my, uh, my daughter and I were watching this. She was super into all of the music and just the general energy of the parade. I mean, really, it to echo what you said when you were telling us about your experience, I mean, it really is... Uh, a fantastic performance all the better because it's super slickly produced and you know has that has that super polished look to it but definitely check it out if you're interested certainly it will not hold the candle to being there in person so i would totally understand if you wanted to hold back and just watch it for yourself but um but you know check it out on youtube if you are interested and you might get a you might get a peek at uh at henry and the missus so wouldn't that be something? That would be interesting for sure. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I highly doubt it though, because uh, there, there was uh, we were not right in the front. You know, I, I usually uh, hang back because uh, I don't want to block anybody's view of anything. And since I can usually see better, uh, you know, uh, I. I usually hang to the back, so I doubt they would see me, and especially because I want to let the kids like filter up to the front. Uh, there was one exception is when they had the the uh, electric light uh, parade go, and we were like right up front for that one. But uh, usually, on um, anything that is like show type stuff, I let the the kids and stuff and, and the shorter people get uh, up front in front of me well henry i think i think you would be the first person to admit that you definitely stand out in a crowd i do uh it's surprising how many people generally remember me uh it can be a little scary sometimes but uh i do generally stand out a bit you just got you just have one of those kinds of faces (laughs) well 
That just about does it for today. Remember, you can catch The Great Park Hop each and every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, if you like what you hear and want us to keep making content just like this, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, or hit that like button. This has been Episode 9 of The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you next week. Stay healthy, everybody. Henry, take care of yourself, big guy. You too, man. Bye. Bye.